On this episode, David, a credit repair expert, teaches us what is a credit score and what score do you need for most major purchases, the strategies you can use to improve your credit, David debunks some popular credit myths, as well as things to avoid that you think are helping but are actually hurting your credit score. Finally, we dive into business credit, what you need to know to get your first business card, and things to do to improve your business credit. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer. The topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hey, fitness entrepreneurs. Today, we are joined by David. He's an expert in credit repair and everything to do with credit. David, welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Pat, appreciate you having me. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. uh, This week is flying by. Good deal. So please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we start diving in. Yeah, uh, I've kind of got a a strange background to getting where I'm at, but uh, I was actually a fireman and um, always been a gym gym rat and athlete when I was young. I was a fireman until my early 30s, and I left and fell into the car industry and landed um, in the finance desk. And so I looked at credit reports every day for years. And in that profession, a lot of people in the industry uh, don't pay a lot of attention to people that don't have perfect credit. And I felt like, you know, looking at a score and deciding what score made people worthy, um, I. I, I decided to just kind of see what I could do for anybody. So I developed relationships with different finance companies that work with people with less than stellar credit. I established relationships with people who looked at just their car credit uh, specifically. Uh, I looked at creating a first-time buyer program with the local bank and basically created a client base of people that were in different varieties. Obviously, I've friends that are seven, eight hundreds all day long, but I felt like not paying attention to everybody else was kind of leaving too much chicken on the bone. And I had a lot of success with dealing with, with different credit types. So I learned some tricks along the way, uh, to help people boost it. Um, later on, uh, I actually went to work for another guy, another salesman in the car industry that I, uh, helped get jobs. He worked for me at one point and he had started a credit repair company that he could basically get anything removed from your credit. Didn't matter if it was justified or not uh, in a legal way, just by basically disputing the, the way in which the credit bureaus report their, their reporting process. So when I built the combination of being able to remove anything bad, and then I've got a connection to people where I can add positive things to people's credit, I can really take anybody from anywhere they are to anywhere they want to be in a short amount of time and with some coaching. So 
Uh, I do credit consulting. I have trade lines that I sell people to improve scores to reduce uh, reduce usage percentage to add age uh, and some of the variables uh, improve credit payment history. Uh, so there, there's kind of a lot of things from a manipulation standpoint um, that I can do uh, to to reverse course on somebody's score. That's great. And I think you highlighted something that that needs to be emphasized that, you know, most people don't focus on credit score, credit repair. And in my opinion, one of the biggest uh, reasons is because like Wall Street, for instance, they they can't really monetize people with bad credit or no credit. So it's overlooked even in the financial industry, like certified financial planning designation that I have credit score repair and things like that. That's not even part of the curriculum because there's no wall street service or product associated with it. So it gets overlooked by even, even professionals like myself. So that's why I feel like this is going to be extremely valuable um, for all the listeners, specifically fitness coaches, but let's start at the beginning. So people hear the term credit score, but for those unfamiliar what is a credit score and what's it made of? Okay. So credit score is, and there's several different scoring models, but uh, typically your FICO score is between 300 and 850. That's going to be your most po- uh, co- most common one. Typically over a 700, in my opinion, is considered good. Uh, 760 is kind of a magic number. It gets you an automatic approval in the auto industry. Um, typically 720 to 750 gets you the best interest rate for any tiered loan system. And, um, you know, anything over 800 is really just bragging rights, uh, to be honest. With you. So, um, 600 for cars is kind of a magic number. There's a lot of car companies that, you know, so by comparison, you need a 680 to get a conventional, uh, mortgage. You need 640 to get a first-time buyers and FHA and 600 is kind of not the minimum, but the minimum score where you're actually going to get somewhat of a decent interest rate or deal with a company that's a prime, prime, uh, finance company. So if you're below 600, that's where most companies would label you as a bad credit or credit risk. Yeah. Just in general, that that's kind of, if you're not a 600, you have bad credit. Uh, and technically, and that, that's just, that's kind of from my personal, personal perception. Understand this. You're, if you have zero credit whatsoever, I, I consider you kind of like a 600-ish, okay? And the reason I say that is because your first thing, positive or negative, is going to push you one way or another from that kind of swivel. If you, if you don't have a credit card and you've never gotten auto loan and you forget to pay your cell phone bill, and they send you to collections, guess what? You're gonna be in the 500s. If you go out and get a Capital One card at 18 or 19, and they give you a $300 limit, uh, as soon as you pay a couple payments and have a zero balance on your credit card, you're gonna be a 700. So from ground zero, I kind of consider 600 to be somewhat of a swivel point. And for me in the car industry for so long, my main finance company that I preferred uh, they had a 600 minimum. So it was kind of a significant number for me individually. So that, that may have tainted my personal opinion. And there's, there's different ones where I think fair is like, to, uh, like 620 to 680. And then good is like 
680 or 700 up and then excellent is like 720 or 750 and up but um so it's what i just shared is 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 generalized but there's a couple out there that are similar so is it if you're i guess i'm trying to think how to phrase this but what's better or worse have no credit or bad credit no credit no credit's better well yeah yes and no so if you have bad credit there's a possibility that some of that's good so if you get repaired and have somebody that knows what they're doing get all the bad off and then there's only good remaining that's one perspective to look at it but if if you asked me for like if you know me either one is fine because we, we can work with both of those you know but um it's really easy i think to what happens unfortunately is when people kind of throw in the towel with their credit and, and that happens you know the 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 housing market crash in 2008 and you know sometimes it's divorce or a loss of a job or a loss of a spouse you know life happens and and everybody i talk to typically tries to get into well you know six years ago kind of had a rough patch and they want to tell me their story and i i tell them look i'm happy to listen to what you have to but just understand i've got a story too i'm not here to judge you and i never will i've been where you are and really all i need to know is where you are where you want to go and then let's create a path from a to b so that's that's kind of my perspective on that yeah but like if you if you want to buy a house in a couple of years, you may be in a better position to do that. If you had bad credit, we could take some of the bad off and you still have some good. So you have a little bit more history and footing. But if you have no credit whatsoever, I can put you on a $250 trade line. And in a month, you'll have a 700 credit score. You'll be able to go out and go buy a car if you have income. You'll be able to go apply for the correct credit cards and all that buys. And... A couple of years from now, you're not going to have any problem buying a house if you have consistent uh, income in the same industry. So sometimes credit repair just takes a little bit longer to build or fix than bad credit, which can take anywhere from a couple months to six, depending on the excess of the damage. So that's, um, that's helpful. So if you're someone who's looking to buy a home and for whatever reason you have bad credit right now, What's a realistic timeline between when they should reach out to someone like yourself and to when they should realistically yeah, uh, be able to get the best possible interest rate? Right. So, you know, like for me, I would really like at least three months. And that's what the timeline issue for a lot of people is kind of dictated on when I can get them ready if they're in a hurry. But I would say just in general purposes, if you've got bad credit, in general, because you don't know who you're going to find the first time and you've got everything lined up except for credit, I would look like a year out and, and, and start getting some things done. Now, that's not to say if you find the right person that will take that long, but I mean, I wouldn't feel I, you, typically like income or a down payment is your last, your last kind of hurdle to tackle. And don't get me wrong. There's people that that's not the case and they've got money and they've got income and they need the credit to make it happen. But like in life in general, if you're headed on that trajectory, typically credit is oftentimes the first thing you have handled. But you know, everybody's different and everybody's situation is unique. Most of the time, and I, I have seen um, quite a few people that wanna buy 
buy homes and they're they're in a hurry, but those are typically well-established people that just have a little bit less damage. Typically, if you're a mess, like your credit's destroyed, you're not looking to buy a house next year. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's kind of the correlation in, in people and goals. Typically, when I when I find people that are in a lot of trouble, um, they want a credit card and they want to refinance their their high interest auto loan, and and then they want to you know they want to work towards a house in a couple of years. That's that's kind of what I'm seeing in my industry on a day to day basis. The worse shape they're in, their goals are typically a little bit lower, and then the better shape they're in, um, the goals are typically higher if they're pursuing um, you know credit repair for a specific reason. Makes sense. So what zooming out to like what the public perception is, especially in the fitness industry, what are some myths out there that you, you see people need to get corrected? Yeah. Credit usage is really a confusing thing uh, for a lot of people. Uh, the, the myth that's out there that I'd like to explain and I will is, it, you know, I don't, I'm a firm believer, I'll just say this because it's something I want to be said at some point and it fits in this whole conversation. I'm a firm believer that how to do do your, how to build your credit, how to use your credit, how to maximize your credit, how to fix your credit, and all of the above your credit should be part of high school curriculum. Um, ditto for taxes, okay? Um, I, could totally go without, I could go without trigonometry and calculus, but you know what I'm saying? I can't go through life without knowing how to do those two things. So- that's something I'd like to see change. Um, but as far as myth, I only thing I've ever heard is just pay all your bills on time. All right. And then I've also heard, um, you know, don't, don't borrow more than you can pay back. You know, obviously don't go, don't live beyond your means, which is a big problem with our society in general. And, you know, um, the other thing that I really want to get to is the 30% thing. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I don't know why specifically. There, I can you explain it, what the 30% myth is? Yeah. So credit card usage or revolving credit usage is tied into a percentage. So if you have five credit cards and the total limit on those five credit cards is $10,000, all right? And if you're carrying balances of $3,000 or less, you're either at 30% or lower from a usage standpoint. Now, there's actually a grading system for uh, credit card usage. And if you're under 10%, you're an A. And if you're from 11 to 30, you're a B. And if you're from 31 to 50, you're a, a C, and so on and so forth. So I've never heard any other, other parent or teacher or, or system where it's a common myth that, myth that you want to be a B all the time. Go get yourself a B minus. You know what I mean? Just make sure you're a B minus, son. You know what I mean? There's no doubt ever. You know what I mean? Unless, unless their kid was like a, uh, a stud athlete and had to get a 3.0 to get a scholarship or something. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, So what I'm saying is if you're at 1%, you're losing points. If you're at 5%, you're losing points. If you're at 9%, you're losing points. If you're 11, you're losing more. If you're 25, you're losing more. If you're 30, you're losing more. All the way to 100, okay? In addition to that, if... Your overall percentage is good, but you have one credit card that is near max, you're losing more points. You're losing some for your overall, and you're losing because you're so near your max on that credit card. Um, not only that, but from a perception standpoint, uh, your creditors start to get nervous and look at where you're at, what you're doing, 
is this a threat? Like, do I need to lower their limit? All these little things that happen. Um, so credit card usage, I'm a firm believer that if you have to carry a balance, no problem, but understand the in impact to your score. Understand that you want your score, your, your, you want, if you want your score maximized, you want 0% usage. And if you want to apply for anything like a car or a house or a, a personal loan or anything, and obviously there's consolidation loans where that's, you might be paying off the stuff that you're trying to borrow for in that situation. So that's not the case, but just the basics that everybody, you know, strives to, to acquire in life. If you, if you're going to buy cars or houses, you want to be at 0% because your score is going to be highest. And, and, and that's when you're going to get the best interest rate. Now, if you've got an 800 credit score and you've got 9% usage on your credit cards, there's no, there's no real need to go from nine to zero. But if you're a 650 credit score and you've got 50% usage, usage, chances are paying that 50% off gets you above 700 and that puts you in a whole different category. Um, so those are kind of the things that, that people don't understand. Now I will say, and I tell this to people after I educate them, as long as you understand this concept and you approach your major purchases from a responsible standpoint, you can carry a balance from month to month, whether it's 10% or 30% or 50%. Your score that's being affected simply by usage going up and down, as long as you understand that when the time comes to apply for something important, that you're going to need to address that usage to maximize your score and then make that, that said purchase, then you're fine. It's not a big deal. Carry a balance if you want to. Just understand how it works so that you can take advantage of it and not leave money on the table. Here's the deal. The difference between 50 points on a $50,000 car, which it seems like they all cost nowadays, um, if you're talking about 5% versus 10% interest, do the math on that over time, over the life of the loan, how many thousands of dollars, because you weren't responsible enough to spend a few thousand bucks on your credit card use one month, pay them off, have your score bounce, buy your car, and then, then put that usage right back onto your credit card if you need to. You know, so it's really just understanding how the system works and taking advantage of it for your personal situation. Um, so one of the things I will go into, Pat, that I do and that I've learned is when I'm taking somebody from point A to point B. All right. Maybe they need they need good at it. And maybe they need bad taken away. It doesn't matter when I'm done with them and their score improves and they get to their goal or their want to start uh working towards their goal from a building standpoint, I've learned that I've just got to hold their hand because if I don't, they'll screw it up. Um, so what I do uh, is typically is when rebuilding somebody specifically, you know, a lot of times when they just have one specific goal in mind, I might give them a contact or, or point them in the right direction. Or if they're just straight rebuilding and it's a step by step process to get to their goal, is I help them apply for credit cards. I help them pre-qualify for cards that are that are that are ones they're going to get approved for. Because another myth about um, credit is that inquiries are no big deal. Inquiries are like gold, man. If you've got set, I'll tell you right now. If you've got zero or one inquiry, and you're it's low a threshold that a company usually like is their bottom at. Give me an example. Say you want to get an Amex, and typically you need a 720 credit score to get an Amex, okay? Amex is more likely to approve a 710 with zero or one inquiries 
than they are to prove a 725 with seven inquiries. Interesting. So there are things and variables looking at your credit score and report and the the categories that are highlighted in your report that I kind of try and educate people on perspective. Because, you know, when you're applying for an auto loan, they're looking predominantly at your auto history. How many auto loans have you had? What kind of payment have you handled? Did you make your payments on time? Uh, is your balance zero? Did you have any problems, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing. If you're applying for a credit card, they're going to look at what your payment history is, how big of a limit you, you've you handled uh, responsibly, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to look at everything, but that's where they're, they're in, that's where they're going to focus most of their attention because that's, that's how they determine it. So, um, I, I can't think of any other myths. No, another no one, myths another one that's out there that I've read, and I didn't know if it's true or not. Um, they say like you pay half the balance one month, or like in the middle of the month, and you pay the other right before the payments due. Something like that. You split your payments in two. All right. So I I don't know if this is the direction you're going, uh, and I'll I'll bash that a little bit. Um, so if you on a simple interest loan, okay, it accrues interest on a day-to-day basis. So I've never heard that about credit cards, and I'll tell you why in a second. But I will tell you why either making your payment early or splitting your payments into um, two for both houses and cars makes sense is because more if the earlier you pay that simple interest loan, the more of it goes towards capital. And so that's what the variable that that changes is. So, and, and if you if you if you get like a, a receipt from your auto, I'll use my my car payment as an example. And I will say this: there's a lot of mortgages that are on a fixed amortization schedule, and so it doesn't matter whether you pay a year in advance, a month in advance, two weeks in advance, or not. Nothing changes about the interest. It's it's set on a schedule that doesn't change. So. If you're wanting to do bi-monthly payments, it's actually kind of a refinance situation that you do that in. Um, that being said, changing from monthly payments to a bi-weekly schedule saves off seven years off a, a 30-year mortgage, okay? And I think doubling up on payments is like, you know, it, it drops it to like 10 years. Anyway, um, but with credit cards, I want to get back to this. I do not advise paying your credit card early because this is why many people are carrying a balance. Okay. So what will happen is say your credit cards due on the first of the month and you decide you're that extra guy that wants to always pay things two weeks early. Great. You paid your, your, your balance off early, but guess what happens? You start using it again. And so when it reports to the bureau three days after the actual due date, um, your your actual monthly or statement balance has a balance to it and thus your score goes down. So what I encourage people to do to maximize, if they so desire, to keep their score at a maximal at all times is to pay your credit card payment on time and then don't use it for three days, okay? Don't use it for three days. Let that zero get reported to the credit bureau and then do what you want the rest of the month and then pay it all off. And that way, your balance always shows on the bureau each month, even though 27 other days of the month, you actually carry one. Does that make sense? 
That is that is actually that makes a lot of sense because for myself personally, I always pay everything like the same time in the month. Right. Um, and for one of my cards, that's sort of close to when it's due. Yep. And occasionally I get a, a notification saying, Hey, you have you've paid off the balance. I'm like, I paid off every single month. I don't know what they're talking about, but that that explains it why sometimes yeah. It thinks yeah. I paid it off, and sometimes it's got a few bucks left on it when it reports. Well, and frankly, you know, because I'm dealing with people that don't have perfect credit a lot, and they're fighting for every point, you know, and, and the, the difference between a 6 and a 650 or a 650 and a 700, it's like they're different universes, each one of those, you know? So if if you're an 800, and like I said, carrying a balance on your credit card drops you to a 750, you don't have a lot to worry about, you know what I'm saying? But if you're a 650 and carrying a balance means you're a 600, um, that might come to you. What happens if you get in an accident right now and you need to go buy a car and you get a check from your from your thing? Are you going to wait a month? You know what I'm saying? Like just just life stuff happens. Um, say, you know, there, there's just a bunch of situations that we don't expect that arise. And, you know, here's an example. Um, you know, uh your air conditioner on your house goes out and you've got to go apply for a, a, a Home Depot credit card. And guess what? You might not get approved. You know what I mean? So, um, And it dings you for uh, for applying, right? For, so it's a lose-lose? For, for an inquiry, yeah. Well, and that's, that's probably one of the most common things I see is people, don't, people with bad credit that don't understand credit don't understand how important inquiries are. And man, I'll get people with 37 of them, you know, 55. You know what I mean? It's it's saying because they don't know what to apply for when. And they, you know, everybody tells them no. So they're like, well, just keep trying. It's like a girl when you're when you're a goober in high school, you just, you know, you just try a hundred times and one will say yes, right? That's not necessarily <laughs> the case with credit. So uh, it gets worse the more you ask. So, um, but yeah, those are kind of some things that, that I try and, educate people on and some some of those things are uh people just need a reminder um some people they need clarification and some people they just conceptually had no clue you know uh and yeah. depending on the vibe i get from a client uh you know i'll hold their hand as as much as they need to be so so i want to dive deeper into one of the examples you gave so you said if you have a 650 and you know that you're going to be trying to buy something you need a 700 Let's mm -hmm. say it's a mortgage in this case. You said you pay, let's say you pay it down to zero. What's that time differential? Let's say you have a $20,000 limit. You got 10,000 on it. So you said you're at 50%, which isn't good. Right. Um, if let's say how you go to your, to your family, say, I'm sorry. Are you asking how long it takes to change that percentage? Yeah. Like if you, if you have a family member who's like, all right, I'll just give you a loan for 10 grand, you know, family loan off the books, pay off everything. What's that time frame until it's like, okay, it's actually going to now impact the credit? Sure. Yeah. So like I said, every month, every, typically every loan um, reports your payment history for the month to the bureau at a certain time. And typically it's a, on credit cards, it's a few days after your due date. So it's basically gives it time for that payment on the due date to process. And then that's, so that's why you really want to pay it at that point and and then to to be a zero for for the whole duration. So like if I find out today, oh my gosh, I need to buy something and and I gotta pay my credit cards off, you're basically, unless you just missed it, 
you know, because the bill was due last week, you're typically always going to be within 30 days or so. Now, that being said, they report to the bureaus the first day, but not every reporting agency gets all their information uh, in real time. So while, uh, you know, Experian might report it one day and TransUnion might report it the other day, and then also it may not pop on your report for for several days, but then when it does report, it'll actually have a date. It'll be dated from a few days ago, if that makes sense. So sure. it, there's there's some reflex time in there logistically. Would it? But if they go from fifty percent usage at a six fifty credit score to zero, and let's just say thirty one days go by and it's reported, yeah. will they yeah, pop that, right up to seven hundred, or what? Will it yeah, just incrementally? Yeah. No, that immediately as soon as okay. that. It, that change is reflected correct okay so if you're going to so, try that with a, a family strategy do it at least 30 days out from correct. the purchase yeah. yep yeah you're, you're basically like within like a week of of call it 10 days from the day your payment is due you're going to see mm -hmm. that change anywhere you need it to be just okay. to be safe so if you pay your bill on time and you don't use that card for a few days and give it the credit card company enough time to report that zero and you'll get a statement emailed to you or mailed to you. I get, I don't, I don't get mail from those types of bills. I get an email statement or you can look at it in your online account. Um, and, and yeah, as soon as, as soon as your, your report goes to the credit bureau, there's a statement generated with your credit card company that gives you your stats for that month. So whatever you're like, I'm, I'm honestly, what I do is I pay, oh, I pay over the, over what I owe, knowing I'm going to keep use of that card. <laughs> so I'm, I'm typically always negative. Like I have a credit on my on my credit cards, and it just reports as zero. But my actual balance, if you look like online at your balance, I, I've got two hundred or a thousand dollar credit because I just overpay, so I don't have to worry about it and like keep using them. That's what I do. But I use them all the time. No, that's great. That's a great tip. Yeah. Um. So. If you if some of the fitness entrepreneurs that are listening are married, is there a rule of thumb when you let's say one's an eight one spouse is an eight hundred and the other's a six hundred? Is there a rule of thumb when you should have both of them on, even if one has negative credit, and when you just say, "Hey, sorry, other person." Uh, yeah. You're so yeah, that's that's a good question, and there's a ton of situations that arise where that can be that decision can go one way or another. Uh, so one thing that I saw a lot of times is. The person with the stronger credit is trying to keep their debt minimal because they're the one that's going to buy the house, right? They're going to put that in their name. That's the tough one to put the other one with bad credit on. So they want to try and get the other spouse a car. Uh, so that's where kind of, you know, your 600 and 800 comes in and you can suffer for a little while. But when houses are an issue, just understand that like, if you're an 800, you don't have to prove your income for anything in life except for a house. All right. Like nothing. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe a boat and a couple other things, but like you can go buy a Corvette, you can go buy, you know, uh, you can go buy a Denali, you can buy an Escalade, like you, you're, you're doing good. You don't, you don't have to just sign here, sign here credit is what I call it. Um, you don't have to put any money down. You know, you can pick your terms, all that stuff. Um, what I can tell you though, is, I sell authorized user trade lines. And if there's an 800 in the family 
and there's somebody else that's significantly lagging behind, that 800 probably has a lot of things that they can do with some free advice from me to bring that spouse or child or parent up significantly. Uh, and that's, that's a good segue to authorize user trade lines. Um, a lot of times couples, um, you know, so everybody's different. Some people. Do you want to step back trade- and do you want to yeah. step back and define that trade line? Yeah. Authorize user trade line. Sure. And I was going to get there. Um, everybody has the ability. Well, most cards allow it, not all of them. Some of the credit builder cards, you, they don't allow authorized users. Some of the new credit cards out on the market haven't instilled that into their system yet. But if we're talking about Capital One or Chase or Wells Fargo or Bank of America or American Express, et cetera, et cetera, you can add people to your credit card. All right. Now, obviously, businesses have plenty of employees with their own like corporate card or they put their name on an account so that they can make purchases. It's a very simple concept that people don't really understand the magnification of it. Business credit's a little different. I do want to dive in in a little bit there to touch base because I know who your client base is and we'll go there. Um, But, and I forgot where I was headed with that, but basically like it's real easy. I'll I'll give you personal experience. Okay. Um, I was a bachelor in my twenties and I was a fireman and I owned my own house and I had a boat and I had a truck and my credit was golden and I dated a bunch of 23 year old girls. Okay. (laughs) They were all bad too. Let me tell you. All right. So, None of them had any damn credit. And I, I, I was playing Build-A-Bear with these 23-year-olds for about a decade. <laughs> you know what I mean? I turned them all into 800s. But, you know, you throw one on your credit card and and it'll, the bank will give you an option. Do you want, where, where do you want this card sent? First of all, I suggest you have it sent to you, not them. Uh, and then I suggest you cut it up. But um, <laughs> to gain the, to gain the, uh, the positive um, history of a card. Now, a couple rules with that. If you're trying to help somebody, don't add them to a card that's maxed out. Don't add them to a card that has bad payment history, et cetera, et cetera. You want the older, the better, uh, the lower balance, the better, and perfect payment history should kind of be a given. Okay. And- so you're saying, you're saying to help you because like, if I'm an 800, I'm trying to help a friend who's a 600. Correct. Okay. So if I'm an 800 and I got a 10-year-old credit card with a $20,000 limit, perfect payment history, and if I add my 18-year-old child, we'll just segue into all of the potential people you might add. You add your 18-year-old child, your aspiring personal trainer who's never had anything and wants to start building, and you throw your kid on dad's credit card, and as soon as that credit card reports to the bureau, they go from it reading... You have not generated enough to have a score or there's no score or a ghost or, you know, just no credit. They'll go from in that particular situation with that strong of a credit card with the zero balance. They'll be like a 750 the next month when it reports to the credit bureau. Now, that being said, I kind of have a name for those people. Um, There's two terms. I use a thin 750 or a fake 750. Okay. Because. Anybody that looks at that 750 and understands all this is is somebody on an authorized user score card, they'll understand you're not gonna you're not gonna you know if he if he works at McDonald's and makes minimum wage and has a 750, even though he's 750, he's not getting a Denali. You know what I'm saying? So sure. what I do is I walk those folks and hold their hand and then legitimize it there. But that's that credit card 
if you put some quality stuff around it in a couple years, you know, they can actually be like a, a legit 750 and be looked at in a whole new light. If you go out and you get a, a, a Capital One and you get a chase card and every six months you ask for your credits, your limits raised, uh, you have perfect payment history and you pay your balance every every month. And then, you know, a year in, you get a better job and then you go get a car. And then a year later, now you've got two credit cards that are two years old and an auto auto loan for 30 grand that's that's got perfect payment history. Um, a year later, from that point, when you're in your second year of that new job that you got, and you got two years of income to provide, you can go buy a house, you know. So that that's kind of like no credit, big trade line or from family to kind of give people a foundation to really like speed through um, the credit building platform. Because if not, you're getting like you know you're gonna go get a credit builder credit card or a secured card. Or, you know what I mean? And it just kind of starts you on the, on a different foot. So in that scenario, are they, they're not, you're not giving them the card. You're no. taking it out. Yeah. That's why I say shred it. So they're not using it. So yeah. at this point, they're still a debit card user, yeah. I guess, in we'll real go, life. We'll go through all of those, those situations. So husband and wives, yes, you get a card. It will be sent to you. Um, it'll have their name on it. They have access to use that card, but limited access or no access to the account, depending on how you set it up. Okay. okay. Um, so from just a, just a trying to help somebody build their credit, but not give them, you know, the keys to that, to that car, so to speak, um, you know, you can just get the card and slice it up and it just helps your credit. Nothing more. Uh, you can also have their card and, you know, like as a parent or something like that and say, oh, you're going away with your friends for the weekend. Here's your card for the weekend. You can spend X, Y, Z amount of dollars and I want it back on Monday. You know, there's there's some different situations where you can use that. Uh, and then obviously in the business setting, uh, uh, my credit card brokers, as I call them, um, that sell their authorized user trade line spots. When you when you add an authorized user, you can have that card sent to their address or you can have it sent to your address. So obviously they have it sent to them. And I don't know if they cut it up or keep a stack of them, and that's how they keep track of things or what. But um, um, you, you don't when you buy an authorized user trade line. When I say I'm selling you a twenty thousand dollar Amex, you're not getting a card next week, bro. That's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> and I got yeah. people that thought like legitimately for like five hundred or thousand bucks they were going to just get this card. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's comical. Uh, so, but yeah. So the cool thing is is, you know, basically within a month, almost any time you do it, you literally, like, it just pops up as if it was always there as long as that person's had that thing open. And boom, your score goes up. And if it, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, with different reporting agencies, some of the companies won't even recognize it as a change because you didn't just get a new credit card. You're just magically now on a card that's been open for 10 years. So they don't realize that, that just happened. Like their system won't acknowledge it, so to speak. And it'll just be like, oh, your credit score went up. See what changed. <laughs> and then it's like, no changes. Well, how the hell did I go up 50? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, let's talk about business credit, Pat. Yeah, um, let's just, let's do it. It's a perfect segue. Uh, that's I, I one think of my this is uh, kind of a good thing. First of all, I will tell you guys, I have... I have been actively in the fitness game since since I was a child. Um, I did some personal training in my early 20s. 
again in my in my early 30s after I left the fire department. I have been a partner at a fitness facility. I've been a personal trainer for several years. Uh, I still give a lot of my my uh, high school classmates and stuff. I'm writing them diet plans and giving my workout recommendations and and stuff That's like awesome. that. I, my max bench press is 470. I'm about 215 right now. So like wow, I, I've been I've been doing it. You know, I've been I've been been in the gym for a lot of my life, well, a lot of my adult life, uh, all of my adult life rather. So. Um, so being a self-employed fitness entrepreneur is something I can really relate to. Um, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of issues with how do I, how do I prove income and how do I track that? And do I want to pay taxes? And there's all kinds of different little things about that. So, but on that subject line, today's, today's conversation is about business credit. And so what I want to emphasize is a couple of things. One, is that the first piece of business credit that you receive, and usually under my recommendations, we build you up. Like if you're not built up already, uh, we either get you a personal Amex and then a business Amex, or we just go straight for an Amex. Typically, Amexes have, um, if you get the good one, you don't really have a limit, and some of them are flexible, and you can make payments, or you can pay the whole thing off. Like I, I don't have an Amex anymore, but I used to, and... Um, it's just a hell of a card that gives you a lot of options. So that's typically goal number one when I try and establish business credit for people. But trying to apply for business credit when you have a 600 is not going to be very successful. Okay. So I when, really recommend people. So when, be, go ahead. Sorry. So if, if you're one or two years in business, but let's say for whatever reason, you're not using a business credit card, you've been using your personal just exclusively for the business. Yep. Let's say, let's say for argument's sake, on the personal side, you have a 700. Yep. And then how much of that translates to the business side when you go get your first Amex or Chase business? That's card? all of it. That's everything. Yeah. All so, they just, so they just look at it as like you're the same thing at that point. Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. So your personal credit is all that your first business uh, account is looking at. That's it. So um, when somebody wants to build their business credit up, we have to start with their personal, all right? Okay, perfect. So, and then from that point forward, because you are a business and depending on how you set it up, um, you can, you're 100% of your business credit now is based upon that Amex and nothing else. So your personal liability and business liability are different. And so is your personal and business credit from that point forward. Okay. You're saying after you've been approved for the business after, after Amex. You, after you've established one account. Then it starts to, they move in different tracks at that point. So if, you're, if you have a personal bankruptcy at this point and you're a single member LLC with a business Amex. Correct. The personal bankruptcy will not impact your credit score correct. on the business side? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So your business history is kind of, it's its, it's own lifeline from that point forward. So, and is that the same on the other side? Like if you default on your business Amex for whatever reason, does personal yep. Amex take a hit? No. Okay. No. Well, with Amex it might, but not from a, like what, what, what might happen is if you default from a business standpoint with Amex and they're looking at you again, you know what I mean? What they might do is, you know, if you default on one, um, Technically, you don't have any personal liability on a business, 
But when you have multiple accounts with the same creditor, um, that'd be a situation where I could see swing in both ways. So I would love to speculate how I think that would go, but that could be a dicey situation. The two best banks in just general terms, I think in general, are, uh, are American Express and Chase. I, I really think that those are kind of two of just the staples nowadays. They've got a bunch of different cr credit cards. They've got a bunch of different rewards. Um, their business credit is phenomenal. And the only thing that really probably outweighs both of those companies is some of your specialty credit unions. I'm a member of Navy Federal Credit Union. It's a fantastic bank. Low interest rates on everything. They, uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic bank. So those are out there too. Um, you know, shop around. Ask ask your friends that are doing well um, if they like their bank. Because I, I mean, I've been with Wells Fargo. I've been with Bank of America. I've been with a bunch of credit unions and I guarantee you I have a really strong opinion on every single one of them, you know? Uh, so, and that's just facts. You, you, it's a relationship, whether it's you can get in and out fast or, you know, they, they'll, they'll give you money for anything you want. If it's a one-stop shop, the rates are good. You know, they're, they're, you know, there's all kinds of different variables, but um, so ask around because not all options. I mean, Chase isn't available everywhere. Obviously, American Express is. Some areas have more choices as far as credit unions uh, at their disposal, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, relationshiply, if you if you have oh, that's not a word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's from, all good. From a relationship standpoint, uh, when you have an established relationship with the bank, that's something to be nurtured. And if you really are like in a building mode. It's not, and you don't really have any relationship with anybody, go find a really good bank and nurture it, you know? And if you pay your bills on time uh, and, and kind of follow just kind of the basic right and wrongs of how to take care of your credit, they'll give you anything you want, you know? Um, it's, it's not a big deal. Sometimes you'll get, you know, you'll know the loan officer at the bank and you just go sit down and say, hey, I need to do this, you know? And they'll pull you up because they... They're, they're actually tracking your score month to month and they'll look at what your most recent FICO update is and they'll tell you, oh yeah, we can do whatever you want. We can do this, we can do that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the, the big stress of business credit is um, getting the right account for where you're at in life credit-wise. Uh, getting your personal credit as tip-top as you can um, to kind of enter that world. And then getting a card that's going to be suit your needs and then depending on where you want to go directionally from that, um, understanding what steps to take on what timeline, you know? So uh, I can, here's, here's, oh, the other thing I want to stress, I forgot, I'm glad I remember. You, they will give you more money for your business than they will for you personally. And I'll give you an example, okay? Um, when I was a fireman, I've always had like two or three hustles. My first job, I was a paper boy, eight years old. Uh, Pat, I've been, I've been working for 35 plus years. I'm 44 years old. So, um, anyway, uh, where I was going with that, I, I forgot, um, where was I on? Oh, you said more credit, credit for business. Yeah. So, and right around the time I turned 30, I bought my first house by myself. Okay. And at that time I was a fireman for Cal fire and I had a flooring company that I had had for four or five years. And I got a business Amex card. Okay. And it's kind of, this is kind of a funny story and it'll lead into what, what my worst phase of my credit life was and why. Um, but prior to getting, 
prior to getting that Amex, I had a Capital One card and a Chase card. And I think, you know, at that point in my life, I think I had like $5,000 limits on each card. Okay. So it was like 29. I had a Capital One and a Chase and they had like $5,000 limits. And then I got a business Amex. All right. And so I got the Amex gold card and it's a charge card and there's no limit. You can use it for anything. And you, as long as you pay off the balance each month, you're good, right? Because it's not one where there is any interest. It's paying out all of it. You know what I mean? So, and I, I had those three cards for a couple years. And when it came time to get another business card, I applied for a business card from Chase. I've been with Chase on this card over here for like five years. And I got a $5,000 limit. I applied for a Chase business card. They gave me 20,000 bucks. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even ask. They just gave me 20 G's. And I was like, what? So what I've learned over the years is um, they'll give you a lot more money, you know, uh, just in general. Uh, I can build somebody, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in business credit as fast as I can build somebody's personal credit to 20. Uh, so those are kind of different variables to keep in mind. Uh, and all this stuff is just like stuff I've learned through experience for, for myself and, 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 and through helping others. No, that's, that's extremely helpful. I know we, did we miss anything else on ways to like something simple they could do to build their business or personal credit? Um, you know what? There's, there's a lot of little, little things out there that don't do a heck of a lot of good. Uh, and let me explain just kind of some of the myths and why, um, you know, there's like these payday personal loans and, you know, all this stuff. Keep in mind, you really, one of the, one of the biggest, all right, I'll tell you this. Once you have a house and a car and a few credit cards, and you might have student loans or, you know, stuff like that, or a personal loan that you, you consolidated or whatever. But keep in mind that one of the biggest variables in credit is your credit age. So if you've got three or four accounts and your average age is two or three years and you're trying to build your credit up, a lot of times, unless it's that car or that house that's just basic life needs that come up that you just do it when you need it and that's all there is to it, the impact to your credit doesn't really matter, just keep in mind that adding a bunch of accounts just for the sake of adding accounts to try and build your credit is almost as counterproductive as, you know, messing stuff up. Because when, if you got three or four accounts and you add two or three more, you basically just knocked your credit age almost in half. You know what I mean? So like it real simple math, you got four accounts, they're three years old, right? So you've got 12 years of credit age. Okay. So your average age is three years, okay? Simple math. 12 divided by four is three. Now, if you add three more accounts, they're exactly zero. You're, now your credit age is still 12 years old, but you got seven accounts. So seven into 12, now you're under two. So you just went from three years old to like 40% less in age. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that was, the, people, that's the, that's people think that they're getting more they're they think they're reducing their credit percentage but they're really just crushing their credit age well yeah not their percentage what typically what people think they're improving upon is like diversity and just building a profile gotcha. uh, but i'll be honest with you I, i'll tell you right now my spouse um 
is an 804 and she's got three credit cards an auto loan and and she's an 804 and one of the reasons she's an 804 is because she's got paid off mortgages and perfect payment history but like you don't have to have 100 accounts to have a good good credit score you just gotta gotta let them age more importantly than anything else um just real briefly, Pat, uh, one of the things I do is I help people get their young adult started. I can help you build somebody with, you know, a spouse, especially if you're if you have the good credit and the means to 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 help them individually. A lot of those conversations are just free advice, kind of steering somebody in the right direction. Grab a pad of paper and this is what you do. We'll talk for five minutes, you know, and, and you know, I'm busy with other things right now, so I don't want all those calls right at the moment. But um, in general, like those are the conversations that I have and I actually really love. It's like, oh, yeah, got five minutes, grab a pen and paper, and write this down. Um, and, you know, it's it's real quick and easy. And ultimately, um, this is about helping people, you know, as much as anything and, and, and giving people the education that we all should have had just in life. It should have been passed down from generations. It should have been like being taught to, to drive a car or a bike. You know, it should be something that the former generation takes the time to invest in their, their kids or the people in their family. I mean, everybody in my family has either got their credit repaired, their credit bill or some credit advice in the last decade because of what I've been doing, you know? So um, just, just know that if there's one person in the family that has good credit, um, that person can do a lot for the rest of the family with no risk to themselves. And I can help them do that. That's that's perfect. So as as we recap, uh, this has been extremely helpful, David. So yeah. I know you are busy. That's yeah. another topic yeah, yeah. of conversation. But if yeah. listeners wanted to learn more, either to reach out to you or someone on your team until you're you're a little more flexible with your time, what's the best way for them to reach you or find out about yeah. your company? Um, so probably, you know, my phone's attached to me, but I'm, I'm more of a text guy all day long. So I'll just give you my phone number. It's area code 415-939. Um, six, seven, four, seven. You just let me know that Pat Darby referred you and we'll make sure that, uh, he gets credit for, for helping me out. And then, um, you know, I am limited on time, but what I'm trying to do right now, Pat is focus on people that just need free advice, focus on people that need trade lines to go from point A to point B. And typically like if there's any repair involved, I just don't have time for, for paperwork and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of better at building than my colleagues are. So I don't mind if it's just advice type stuff or just conversation. I'm happy to talk to people. I just don't have time to, to draft letters and, and, and spend thousand bucks on mailing disputes anymore uh, at this time. I, for, for people that are curious, Pat knows um, I've launched a crypto coin and I'm, I'm basically like dealing with China in the daytime and dealing with or at night and dealing with my team in the day. And I'm just, uh, uh, we'll get ready to launch Ice Cube Project in a few weeks. But uh, so life's just kind of crazy hectic. Three kids, got a daughter who's going to be one, uh, trying to not miss all my kids' games. You know how it is. Life. <laughs> yeah, busy, busy guys. But this has been extremely helpful. Um, if there are any links that you want, we'll have everything in the show notes so that you can, again, that the phone number David put will be in yeah, the show notes uh, as well. You can, you can also email me. It's uh, David. The word triple, T-R-I-P-L-E, and then the letter B is in Boutte um, at gmail.com. That's my personal email. 
Uh, I'm basically just consulting on my own now and, uh, and headed to the crypto thing full bore. But I, I, you know, we vibed, man. And I like, I like the fitness aspect to your game. And, uh, I have so much, um, information for that specific, uh, profession from all levels, um, and at all different points in my life that, um, I figured it would be a, a good, good, uh, client base for me to try and help for sure. I love it. Well, thank you so much, David. I appreciate you uh, joining us today on Building Your Wealth Muscle podcast. Thank you for having me, Pat. I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate the ratings on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.